Good morning, church. I said, good morning, church. It's very good to see you this morning. Um, I am here to tell you that as I found out where I, what I was going to preach on in the rotation, my first instinct was to call Garen and go, what? Seriously? Because um, this morning we're going to talk about the Feast of Trumpets. Three verses. Two sentences. And I thought, wow, how do I fill a block of time with that? But as I, as I studied over it, as I prayed over it, and as I dug into it, I realized the significance of the Feast of Trumpets. See, here's something that, that, that happened when I was in college. What they used to do is challenge us with preaching passages of Scripture that were normally tough to preach, to preach through the, uh, the books that were hard to preach through. And it was challenging. And I was challenged here. But if you think that because God only speaks a few sentences, that it loses its richness, it loses its fullness, it loses its capacity to teach us, then you are as misled as I was. So would you stand with me this morning? And let's read out of Leviticus chapter 23, verses 23 through 25. And it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a memorial proclaimed with blasts of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, and you shall present a food offering to the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Father God, we give you praise, honor, and glory, Lord, and we ask you, Please speak to us, Father. Take this broken vessel, God, and let your voice pour through and silence mine. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and you dwell among us. We beg you to come and dwell among us, to come and, and open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears, that we may witness the moving and the stirring of the power of God in here today. I ask this in your holy, precious name, our Savior Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You know, usually with sermons there are things like introductions and you have this and you might have an illustration and then you would have an application. But today, believe it or not, with three sentences, we have so much ground to cover that I'm just going to give you application towards the end. Because isn't that really what the Bible is? What we look for in the Bible is to say, well, you know, that was really cool that Noah built a boat, but what does that have to do with me? You know, I mean, that was really great that Isaac was such a, was, I mean, that uh, Abraham was such a man of God that he was willing to take Isaac up and sacrifice him, but what does that have to do with me? Because, you know, I'm, I'm not the man Isaac was, I mean, Abraham was. And uh, I'm more of the, uh, the kid that, you know, if, if my daddy took me up to sacrifice me and the Lord come up and said, no, don't do it, daddy like, oh, come on, let me go ahead and just do it. Let me just go ahead and take him out. Couldn't you give me a different one that was better? But the truth of the matter is, is that God gave us this love letter. 
so that we could apply our lives with it. We could, we could take it like a bucket of water and pour it out on ourselves and just go out into a lost and dying world with the Word of God and we could apply it to our lives. But how does this Feast of Trumpets apply to us? There's a couple of things that we first need to look at of what the Feast of Trumpets is. So the first thing is the significance of the Feast of Trumpets being on the first day of the month. The Feast of Trumpets is the only feast of the seven feasts which began in the first day of the month. The Hebrew months begin this way. They begin with the new moon. In other words, the months change when the moon changed. And the only feast that was celebrated at the first of the month was, you guessed it, the Feast of Trumpets. What is the significance of this? Well, there's a lot. And we're going to see all of it. So just get ready and hang on because it's pretty exciting. I mean, I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, the other feasts occurred, occurred towards the middle of the month. And you might ask, why? Well, that really has a whole lot more to do with the moon than you'd think. Because in the middle of the month, the moon is full or almost full. But not so with trumpets. So what? What does that matter? The beginning of each month originally depended upon the sighting of the new moon. The moon was just a kind, small sliver, a small crescent in the sky. And you know what? Depending upon what the weather was like, depended upon whether you could see it or not. The precise timing, the precise timing of the new moon always easily determined. No, it wasn't. It was not always easily determined. But the precise timing of the new moon was necessary. So to start the signal of the new moon, two witnesses had to sight the first sliver of the moon. And the new moon was to start the new month. Watchfulness was a critical ingredient. Y'all don't forget that. Okay? Everybody take that and... Say that with me right now. Watchfulness was a critical ingredient. So y'all are going to remember watchfulness, right? Because we're going to come back to it in a minute. So y'all remember watchfulness. Later, later as Israel grew, the rabbis added a second day to this feast for a purpose just so they wouldn't miss it. See, they were scared because it was so easy to miss the new moon that they actually added a second day to the Feast of Trumpets to make sure they didn't miss the timing of it. Now, the two witnesses would see the new moon and they would attest to it before the Sanhedrin. This could happen during either one of the two days. Here's what's weird about that. Garen said something when we first started going through these, uh, these festivals, these feasts. He said something, and I was like, oh, man, Garen's wrong. I'm fixing to prove dude wrong. I'm going to call him in my office. I'm going to tell him how wrong he is because Garen made the statement. He said, well, there's no evidence that Israel actually did any of this. There's no evidence that Israel actually did any of these festivals or did any of these feasts. So over the past three weeks, I have had a mission to prove Garen wrong. I'm like, surely, man, God is telling them this before they cross over into the new land and all this kind of stuff. So, man, I bet they got over and just feasted in festival till their hearts were content. And you know what? You won't hear me say this many times, but Garen was right. 
there's not any evidence that they ever actively did any of this, at least not the way God prepared it. We see some of the feasts and festivals that were taken on later, post-exilic even. But to actually do them the way that God intended for them to do, yeah, we don't have a lot of proof they did that. And that really makes me sad because um, I had to say Darren was right in public. But as we keep going, since no one knew the witnesses when the witnesses would come, no one knew when the Feast of Trumpets would happen. After the appearance of the new moon was confirmed, then the Feast of Trumpets could begin, and the rest of the fall feasts could be accurately determined. See, the fall feasts were actually determined by the Feast of the Trumpets, and they could not be accurately determined until the Feast of the Trumpets. And I thought, wow, okay. So this little bitty feast that we have with these uh, three verses and two sentences all of a sudden starts to take a, play a bigger role. This Feast of Trumpets was considered a high Sabbath. That means so no work could be done. Now pay attention to this. No work could be done. So all preparations for Feast of Trumpets had to happen when? Before the Feast of Trumpets. So they had to get everything ready, and then they had to wait. Wait and be prepared, because once the two witnesses brought the stuff, brought the information back to the Sanhedrin, the Feast of Trumpets would begin, and everybody had to be prepared for that. No one knew the exact hour of the new moon's appearance, and it kept people in a continued state of alertness. Huh. Wow. Already, I see application. But I'm not going to reveal it to you because I'm really mean like that. The new, they knew approximately when the moon might come. But they did not know the hour in which it would reveal itself. See, more application. <laughs> Sorry, y'all, I'll tell you in a little while. Now, I want you to understand something, that we live by a calendar on a piece of paper that says Monday is the third. They lived by what's called a lunar calendar. They lived their lives by this lunar calendar. The lunar calendar told them everything. Okay, now that may seem... That may seem strange to us, but I want you to understand the calendar that we lived here, that we live here by today in the Western world is actually fairly new. That this lunar calendar that they lived by that prepared them to do everything that they did was actually around for thousands of years. So as it seems foreign, it was the way they kept track of time. And it worked. But next we need to recognize that it was the first day of the seventh month. Now our ears should certainly perk up when we hear the word seven, right? Because God said, you know, God created the earth in how many days? Six days. And he said, what are we going to do on the seventh day? We're going to rest on the seventh day. I'm going to use another analogy for y'all. Hopefully you just get a kick out of it. But you ever notice, even in the secular, sinful world, sevens have a special place. Go to the craps table in a casino. What's the number everybody wants? Go to a slot machine to pull that little um, army thing. What's the number everybody wants to line up? Even in the secular world, seven 
is an amazing number. It's a number that God used to show completeness. It's a wonderful, wonderful number. So, but God had ordained the seventh day as the Sabbath, the day of rest. We saw that in Exodus 28, 8 through 11. The Sabbath day was to be a day of rest and remembrance of things that God did. See, this, we lost sight. Garen talked to us about this at the beginning, but we kind of lost sight of what the Sabbath day was. See, the Sabbath day is a day that we are supposed to sit in our easy chair and watch football, eat cheeseburgers till we can't hold anymore, eat dip, drink beer, as they might say. In our case, maybe a lot of Coca-Cola. I don't know, but I'm telling you, what the Sabbath was intended for is not what we use it for. What the Sabbath was intended for was to reflect, was to remember, was to resign ourselves to who He is and who we are because of Him. So, not only was there to be a Sabbath day, but also a Sabbath year. Leviticus 25, 1, and 1 through 7. And then a year of Jubilee, which is in Leviticus 25, 8 through 17, the year following the seven sevens year. The Sabbath year and the year of Jubilee were times of rest. Huh. God made a day for rest? Then he created years for rest. Now, I want you to pay some real close attention to this because God actually did tell people to rest for a year. Well, but wait a minute, God. We can't do that, dude. Seriously? I'm a corn farmer. What am I going to do? God is so amazing. During the times that everyone rested, during the sixth year, God promised a triple portion to carry the people over for the seventh and eighth years. And I'm just thinking, wow. But surely, God, you know, that's just a promise. You didn't intend to keep it. No, kind of like he didn't intend to keep the promise of feeding the people manna and quail or providing water from a rock. He was serious. If you will do these feasts for me as I've instructed you, I will provide for you. If you will just let go of your land and let it rest, just let it lay there for a while, I'm going to be the one to provide for you. Church, he promises you he's going to provide a way for you to worship him. He promises you that. And he will. When you're obedient to him. When you let go of what you think is yours, when you let your corn crop go because he said to, then he will provide enough corn for you to get through two years. Why? Because he's God. Because in the Bible that I have found, there are 7,474 promises that have never been broken. And you want to know what? Not one of those promises was from us. Because we've just about broken every promise we've ever made to him. Or at least I have. The seventh month was special in the same way. During the seventh month, the very special fall feasts occurred. The Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Nearly the entire month of the seventh month was set aside for feasts. 
And this was, this was brought in, this was ushered in by the Feast of Trumpets, by this new moon that people had to be watchful for. They had to wait for it. They had to look for it. They had to, to look to the sun. And y'all know where the moon comes up at? It comes up in the east. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just get excited about this stuff. It comes up in the east. Do y'all know where Jesus is coming from? From the east. He will come like a bolt of lightning. And he's coming back for me. I'm going with him. Are you? Are you going with him? What's so special about the blowing of the trumpets now? First, let's talk about the two kinds of trumpets. There's the silver trumpet. And then there's the shofar. The silver trumpet was what God told Moses to beat true of them out when they were on Mount Sinai. And then the shofar is a ram's horn. The ram's horn is used most in the Bible because it's a great reminder. God uses it as a phenomenal reminder of what? He uses it as that time that he gave a sacrifice instead of Isaac, a ram caught in a thicket. This horn, this ram's horn is so important to God. He had Moses bang out silver trumpets when they were at Mount Sinai. The chauffeur was curved and it was fashioned exactly the way it came off the head of the ram. When the Lord designated Tishra 1 as the day of blowing and the memorial of blowing, the type of trumpet for the feast of trumpets was not specifically identified. It didn't say, God didn't say to use the trumpet that Moses used at Sinai and he didn't say to use the shofar but almost without exception, historical observance and rabbinic tradition specify the shofar, not the silver trumpet of the priest as the primary instrument intended by Scripture. Y'all understand that? That even though there were silver trumpets, and even though those silver trumpets were, dead, were told, they were specifically told Moses how to make them, most of what we see of the blowing of the horn in the Bible is the shofar. Perhaps the original reason for specifying the ram's horn to be found was the announcement of the jubilee year. Every 50th year the shofar announced the arrival of the jubilee year in which slaves were freed, the fields were given rest from farming cycle. Apart from the sacrificial ceremony the trumpet had several uses for the nation of Israel. Two main uses were to gather an assembly before the Lord and it sounded an alarm to warn the people of which was coming. Numbers 10, 2, 4, and 9. But I want you to understand something too, that the Feast of Trumpets was a dark day. Remember we said that there wasn't any moon in the sky? Remember we said it just a sliver, and they would have to wait for it, not only by days, but then by hours. And wait for this moon to appear, this little sliver of almost nothing. But the Feast of Trumpets is Israel's dark day. It occurred when the new moon was primary, was when the primary night light of the moon. And there was no light, it was dark. Israel's prophets repeatedly warned of a coming day of judgment for the nation, and it was called the Day of the Lord. The Day of the Lord was a time when the Lord poured out His wrath upon Israel. A coalition between the Feast of Trumpets and when it begins to the wrath of God. 
We see that so evident. The prophet Amos spoke of this dark day of judgment. Amos 5, 18 through 20 says, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord, for what good is the day of the Lord to you? It will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or as though he went into the house, leaned his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness at all? The trumpet was used to usher in the day of the Lord. Joel 2 and 1 says, Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all of the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. A dark day. Zephaniah 1, 14 through 16 says, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the Lord is bitter. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. That the day of the Lord of wrath, a day of trouble and desire, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fortified cities, against the high towers. We mentioned earlier that the Feast of Trumpet, the Feast of Trumpet is the only feast day to begin in the moon is dark. The passage from Zephaniah is only one of many which tell the day of the Lord as a day of darkness. Y'all, the day of the Lord is darkness for most. Y'all realize that? That although we look forward to the day that Jesus comes back here and he comes back here and we will meet him in the sky is what scripture says and we'll go up there meet him. But do you know what happens to those who are left behind? What a dark day. They have much to fear. As the darkening of the moon and the night heavens announced the feast of trumpets, so too the heavens were divinely darkened as in the day of the Lord. Joel 2.31 says, The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. In the New Testament, the trumpet was blown as the coming of Christ to call his bride. Y'all, in case you didn't know, we're his bride. We await that trumpet. We await that sound. Matthew 24, 31 says, He will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Paul wrote, he equates the return of Jesus with the sound of God's shofar. When there are similarities, what are the similarities between the second coming and the Feast of Trumpets? I don't know. And it just so happened that God led me to find this stuff. And I was like, wow, God, you had these three sentences in here. And it's just seriously more about Jesus than I could even imagine. Ladies and gentlemen, as we open the Bible, we see the very first sentence says, in the beginning. Do you know that that sentence points to Jesus? Every single word, every comma, every period, every T that's crossed points to Jesus. 
First it points to his coming as the Messiah. Then it points to his death for our sins. Then it points to his resurrection and ascension. And then it points to what, ladies and gentlemen? It points to him coming back for us. Wow. And they knew that in Exodus. No, but God did. God did. He knew what he was doing. He knew the importance of the shofar, and he knew the importance of the trumpet, and he wanted a feast to remember it so that as we see, you see, because right now these people are wandering around when this is written, and there's only five books. There's only the Torah. They don't have the prophets yet. They don't have the New Testament yet. All they have is the Torah, and God's saying, remember this, because down the road, I got some more information for you. So what are the similarities? Well, first, they both occur on an unknown and undetermined day and hour. Second, they're both to be announced by the sounding of the shofar. It's interesting that while the Bible often speaks of men and angels blowing trumpets, there's only two recorded instances when God blows a trumpet. In both instances, God blows the shofar, not the metal trumpet. Not the silver. The first occasion was at Mount Sinai when the Lord revealed himself from heaven and prepared to bring the nation under the old covenant. It says, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on its fire. The smoke of it went up like a smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the great sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in a thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai, to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. Exodus 19, 18 through 20. The second occasion when the Lord blew the shofar was at the Messiah's return. The Lord descended from heaven with a whirlwind and the clouds of glory and fire and the sound of a trumpet. The prophet Zechariah in Zechariah 19 and 14 says, Then the Lord will be seen over them, and his arrow will go forth like lightning. Then the Lord God will blow the trumpet and go with whirlwinds from the south. Wow. The ancient rabbis repeatedly quoted these verses in connection with the coming of the Messiah. You see, the trumpet... The, the, the significance of the trumpet at the birth of Christ, the significance of the trumpet when Jesus comes back. Wow. More and more we see. And it's the ram's horn. Listen carefully. It is the ram's horn that the Holy One is destined to blow when the Son of David, our righteous one, will reveal himself. And it is said, and the Lord our God will blow the horn. You know, Paul was a highly educated man when it came to uh, messianic fulfillments and the Passover, fulfillment of the Passover, the fulfillment of first fruits. Paul also recognized Messiah's future fulfillments in the fall feasts. The trumpet blast was a solemn assembly on the first day of the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar. In addition, the day marks the end of one agricultural year and the beginning of the next. This is the celebration of the new year for Israel. It's called Rosh Hashanah. Now ladies and gentlemen, I know that y'all think that that's a really tough piece of information to find. But if you happen to have 
an ESV study Bible and you look down into the notes, you'll find that exact paragraph. I just want y'all to know there's so much rich information in, in the Word of God, it's so easy to find. Don't let it just pass you by. The trumpet blast in the solemn assembly of the first day of the seventh month of the Hebrew calendar. In addition, the day marks the end of the agricultural calendar. There were no more. They were going to start another planting year. They were going to celebrate the incoming of their new year. Probably not like America celebrates it. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, I'm pretty sure they didn't all go down there to hang out with Dick Clark and drink beer. Israel was instructed by signals from the priests with trumpets. Numbers 10 says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets of hammered work, and you shall make them, and you shall use them for summing the congregation and for breaking camp. The Feast of Trumpets illustrates the regathering of Israel, the regathering of Israel, when God's trumpet shall call them from the ends of the earth. Listen with me, if you will, to the book of Isaiah 27, 12 through 13. It says, In that day, from the river Euphrates to the brook of Egypt, the Lord will thresh out the grain, and you will be gleaned one by one, O people of Israel. And in that day a great trumpet will be blown. Those who are lost in the land of Assyria and those who were driven out into the land of Egypt will come and worship the Lord on the holy mountain at Jerusalem. Are y'all with me? Y'all still with me? Nod your head. The great blast of the trumpet, ladies and gentlemen, has more significance to us than we could ever imagine, than I could ever imagine. And I'm telling you the truth when I tell you, when, when Garen and, and Jake and I discussed and Garen sent me a text telling me what I would be preaching on, I really did get kind of angry. I was like, man, look, that dude giving me the smack, what's up with him? And yet he, has, he allowed me to preach probably the most, in my mind, one of the most significant festivals that there was. The most significant time because it ushered so much else in. You couldn't have this unless you had this. In Matthew 24, 29 through 31, Jesus said, listen carefully, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Trumpet's going to blow and Jesus is going to come. He's going to take us home, y'all. Don't you see how that should be a celebration? Don't you see how it just, it, it just, God said, I've got this festival right here way back in the beginning and it is for all of this. Oh, what a gift I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you my only son. He's going he's gonna to come down to earth and he's going to walk as you walk. He's going to trade in his perfect body in his perfect place for a decaying body to come live in a dying world for you. And all of these things will be 
recognized by the blasting of the trumpet. Golly. Now there is an application here in the church. For we await the sound of the trumpet for the return of our Lord, Lord in the air. 1 Corinthians 15.52 says, In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. In the twinkling of an eye, by the sound of a trumpet. <laughs> so happy that I'm not going to burn in hell. You know what? The trumpet, I promise you this, if De Quincey High is down there playing on the band at halftime and those trumpets are blowing and the band's drums are beating and the other things are blowing and the tubas are blowing and all that's happening and it's just loud and it's celebratory, when God sounds his trumpet, it will sound over that. It will sound over that. And we will be called to be with Jesus it won't matter what the scoreboard says. We'll be called to be with Jesus. Are you excited about being with Jesus? Most of us recognize this event as the first, as the first resurrection. But few of us identify the resurrection with the Feast of Trumpets. I mean, I didn't. Not until now. And I hope you do now and you recognize that everything God has in his word has a purpose. The begats are not there to bore you. What happened while Israel wandered around in the desert is significant. How God provided for them is significant. The feast that he set aside for them to have has a significance on you. He's preparing you for his son to come and get you. And he's trying to prepare you if you don't know his son to introduce yourself and say, Jesus, I want to be yours. I accept what you did on the cross of Calvary for me. I know your blood was poured out and spilled for me. And I accept that, Jesus. And I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And then when that trumpet sounds, when that blast comes, you're going to go meet Jesus in the sky. You're not going to be one of them that gets left here for all that other monk. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, and we're coming to an end, y'all, trust me. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, y'all. Didn't we just read that? Didn't, that's it. That's the stuff. Are you wondering? He wrote, you, you, you don't have to wonder what's going to happen to those who died already. The dead in Christ will rise. What about them that are, that are, that are, that are cremated? The dead in Christ will rise. What about all them that have died way, way like 4,000 years ago? The dead in Christ will rise. At the sound of the trumpet. They're going to come up first. And then we, we're going to follow dead people, y'all. That's okay. Because we're going to follow them up there to meet Jesus. We'll meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Do y'all know what the word always means in Hebrew? It means always. Always, forever. Never changing. Never, never, never. Always, always. We get to always be with Jesus forever. 
The Jews sounded the trumpet together, the assembly together. And this is what our Lord will do when he gathers his children. The Jews will be, the Jews also sounded the trumpet for war. And once Christ has his children off the earth, he will declare war on the nations. Where do you want to be? You, you, which, I mean, it's up to you. Seriously, it's, it's truly your, your choice. When that trumpet sounds, do you want to be one of them that kind of floats up there to meet Jesus in the air? Or do you want to be one that stays here to protect your stuff? Look, I got a really nice champion bass boat. But when Jesus calls, they can have it. I want to go with Jesus. I want to hear the trumpet. I'm just, you know, guys, if we could hear the trumpet before we left today, I'd be cool with that. I'd be all right missing Fostos today. I'm good. Saints play today. I'm okay with that too. I want to go with Jesus. Do you want to go with Jesus? Are you waiting the sound of the trumpet? Are you excited about the sound of the trumpet? Or are you afraid? So again, how does the Feast of Trumpets apply to you and me? We've all seen the comparison between the Feast of Trumpets and the coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. Do you remember the state of awareness I told you to remember? I said, remember this, and the state of awareness Israel was in. Preparations were made ahead of time for the Feast of Trumpets. They didn't know when the new moon was to come, but they knew they were to prepare for it. So how does all of this that I've said apply to you today? Hear me, church. Listen carefully. For Jesus said to his disciples, for his own though is in those days before the flood, they were eating and they were drinking, they were marrying and they were giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men shall be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. And Jesus says, therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day the Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and he would not have left his house to be broken into. Verse 44 says, Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Remember that the blast of the shofar did two things. It called the faithful home to be with the Lord, and it will call them home to be with the Lord. It called the judgment on the nation of Israel who refused to come to Christ. Both of these will be fulfilled with the trump of God. When the trumpet of God sounds, it will be fulfilled. And Jesus appeared, and we are called to meet him in the skies. And I close with this. I ask you this question, and I ask you to please ask yourself in your heart. And I ask you to please cry out to the Holy Spirit and ask him to stir in your heart. Because I want to ask you this question. When that trumpet sounds, will your name be in the Lamb's book of life? Do you fear the sound of the shofar? Or do you await the blast with anticipation and excitement of an eternity with Jesus? As the band makes their way back up, I want to tell you that this is a time of reflection.
I want you to know that, you know, seriously, it's not if the trumpet of God will sound. It's when. It's not if you'll be called up into the heavens to meet Jesus. It's when. But the question is, are you ready do you know him? Ladies and gentlemen, 8, 18 or 80, Jesus doesn't turn people down. If you call on his name, the scriptures tell us anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say might. It doesn't say could be. It doesn't say if I'm in the mood to. It says they will be saved. And if you haven't called on the name of Jesus, do that today. Don't, don't leave this building without knowing that when you walk out that door, you're facing east. If he's coming, are you going to go with him? Please do. Oh, man, the day would be so wonderful when I get there and I look and I see you all. My heart will be overjoyed. What's the song say? Just say Jesus. Just say Jesus. And be ready for that trumpet. Garen and I are both going to be down front to receive anything that you need, any prayer requests that you have, anything that you may need, you can come. We're not two churches today. We're a body of Christ. We're people that worship in a house of God. And we are people that seek to have His voice in our ears. Are you ready for the trumpet? Stand with me. God, we come to you today and ask you to stir in hearts, to move in minds, to bring people to yourself, Lord. We ask you, Holy One, Spirit, to drip off these walls like honey, to fill our hearts with your presence, that those that don't know you would draw close to you and love you and, 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 and seek you and that those that do, Lord, would continue to seek a further relationship with you. Speak to hearts and minds today, Lord. We pray, Jesus, in your name.